field day at the Faulkner Memorial Field Station at Canago, New South Wales was held recently showcasing the latest developments in biological harvesting of wool. The future of shearing and wool harvesting is without doubt one of, if not the, biggest issue facing the Australian wool industry. So the day included sheep treated with the protein that causes a significant weakening but not a break in the fibre, as well as discussions about where the technology is heading and the possible means of harvesting and wool handling. Welcome to episode 250 of The Yarn. It's a podcast for the Australian wool industry. I'm Marius Cumming. So in a minute we'll hear from Professor Phil Hine from the University of Adelaide, but before that, AWI Chairman Jock Laurie discussed the significance of the day with Kevin Wilde. What we wanted to do was show wool, wool growers the latest technology when it comes to uh, the bioharvesting. I think we've been able to do that. Uh, we probably had 130 plus people there uh, that were really engaged in the debate and the discussion. So I think that, that showed a level of interest that um, didn't surprise us, but I suppose uh, it was great to see. And we're also taking this on the road to WA at the end of October. So this isn't just something that once it gets up and running will be useful for this part of Australia. Uh, and this is going to be across the board. I mean, what it's doing is providing options to, uh, to wool growers. So as I said in there, there's about a three-pronged attack we're doing here. We're doing our shearer training, learner training, improver training, which is also critical. Um, some of our shed design, module design work, which is critical. All of those things help in uh, easing the pressure on the industry. And the third part is about this bioharvesting, which is actually, you know, two to three years down the track, four years down the track, hopefully we'll be taken through to commercialisation, which will, which will provide another opportunity for growers. So is there a commitment by AWI to continue to fund all research in regard to this? Or will uh, the money there's a commitment out? to by AWI that shearing is our number one priority and we will consider all of our expenditure in that area. Um, we don't give any open commitments to anything because we've got to scrutinise budgets and manage things, and that's what we'll be doing in this too. But there's a commitment to solving the shearing problem and providing options for, for wool growers. Uh, we need to keep them in the game, and in order to do that, we need to provide them with opportunity and uh, options, and that's exactly what we're going to do. So not a blank cheque, but you, you really see value in this project, both at the, at the science level so far, and then we have to work on an engineering solution so there is a mass harvesting of the wool. Well, there's, uh, it's got to be competitive. It's got to be competitive against the uh, traditional shearing, and that means it's cost competitive and it needs to be around the same, similar sort of pace. Uh, and I think that whether, you know, what we're looking at, I think there's an opportunity to do that. The development of the engineering, stuff, I think, really provides some great options. There's some tremendous technology out there now, and if we could get into the situation where you can nearly fully automate uh, the processing of sheep when it comes to shearing and shifting wool by air and everything it would be a massive step forward for the industry. So the aim is to try and deliver something like along those lines. But uh, as I said today, research being research, you can have a failure as we did yesterday. So that's just the way the game goes. So when you said a, a failure yesterday, that's in regard to actually the uh, sort of a mechanical way of removing the wool. And part of the problem there was the wool for this demonstration was longer than what, you know, tests have been in the past. Well, part of the problem was that we couldn't get the wool off. And uh, so what they need to now do is have a look and see the reasons for that happening and can't make any judgments until they know that. But what we do know that the wool length was different, so there's a very good chance that that could have been one of the reasons that, that caused us an issue. And we just weren't prepared to run the risk here today in order to do that. So be cautious. I think the engagement from people, we had some very good technology there, uh, some footage. 
uh, which clearly showed what we're doing. I think people seem reasonably comfortable with that, so I think that's a good step forward. So is this something that in, in, in five years' time you think will be commercially available or you don't want to play that game? Uh, no, I'd like it to be a lot earlier than that. You know, I've, I've been asked on interviews before, I want it done tomorrow. But I know that there's a process we have to go through. You've obviously got to do with the APVMA. You've got to make sure that you have no meat residue or meat or wool residue issues. That's a normal process. All I'm saying is that once we've got the research done, and, and you can talk to Phil, well, I think he's very close to sort of saying 12 to 18 months down the track, they'll have that done. Uh, then it's a matter of the approval process. And, and the industry needs to get together and work with the government to make sure that they can expedite that as much as they possibly can. And from a commercial partner point of view, we need to have a look and see what options are available. You know, that's where the company can sort of step in and do what it can. But there's there's other groups that need, and wool growers that need to be actively working in this space too when it comes to approval processes. Shearing's going to be around for a long time though. This this is a complementary... Just another, it's another part of the puzzle. Um, I can't see shearing in many areas changing at all. It's, uh, there's a lot of things about it, you know, that'll never change. I mean, the history and... Everything that goes with shearing, people love. And I'm one of the people, one of the people loves walking into a wool shed and just being there. I've been doing it for nearly 50 years. It's something that gets in your blood. So I don't think that'll ever change. But what this will do is provide options. And if you can take pressure off one sector of the market that's under pressure, you know, then it eases the pressure across other sectors. So if this only did 5% of the sheep, it'd make a difference. If it did 10% of the sheep, it'd make a bigger difference. So... That on top of all the other things we've done, I think are going to help. And we're already starting to see that, quite frankly. You know, some of the shearer training, getting 400 plus learners in, that's already taken the pressure off. And we know that, you know, the pre- that um, you know, many shearers at the moment aren't actually working and are sitting down in places. So that's all helping, and this will just be another thing to do. That. AWI Chairman Jock Laurie there, and the project is being driven by Professor Phil Hind from the University of Adelaide, who told Kevin Wilde the day really reinforced to him and his team the importance of this work. I think it's been a real um, positive for us because we can feel the, the real excitement of the producers and the fact that they they understand the need for what we're trying to do. So that's great for us. We'll, we'll plough on now with some confidence. You didn't need inspiration because you've been on this journey for almost 20 years. But uh, as you said, to see the real interest and, you know, I would say excitement that something like this is maybe as soon as a few years away, but it might be a bit longer. Yeah, it's always hard to answer the question how long because there's so many unknowns in there. But we, we know we're on a fast track. We know we've got the right target. We know where the biology is really sound. Um, the removal of the of the wool is a challenge, but you know there's some smart people in this country, and I reckon we'll we'll crack that. And if we do that, it's got to be within five years, well within five years. You've got a great analogy comparing wool to wine. Yeah, Can yeah. you explain that? Well, it, it came because I drink too much wine, but it's also because I live in a wine district and I've seen the industry change, really disruptive technology. And that was people used to walk along under the hot sun with a bucket and a pair of secateurs. And they spent all day in this back-breaking job, walking to the end of rows and chucking it in a bin, which then was chucked into a bin, which then was chucked into a, a truck and into a bin. And that all took a day to harvest a hectare. And now we get a phone call at two in the morning and a, a machine comes in and harvests the hectare in about 20 minutes. And the quality is better. It's back in the chiller in no time. So you've got better quality, cheaper harvesting. It's everything we need in the wool industry. 
And you think that mechanisation or automation is something that is realistic? It's, it, you right. know, so much in ag has changed. You know, grain harvesting has changed amazingly in the last 20 years. Yeah, absolutely. Well, if we, we've got to change. We've got to change. Um, it's, it's been this way for too long and we need some disruptive technologies that do that. And we'll just have to get used to that. Um, and we will. We're, we're smart people. We'll, we'll, um, we'll, we'll solve it. Um, but, yeah, industries need to keep on moving forward and, and this is a real chance to do that. Now, this is a, a very different technology to Bioclip. Can you explain that? It's, it's more than just you don't need nets. Yeah, Bioclip was, was based on stopping cells dividing in the follicle and the same way chemotherapy makes your hair fall out, actually, um, and so the wool falls out. It works. It was brilliant. It, it did exactly what it set out to do, but we needed nets. But um, this technology means that we can, we can do this with people with a relatively low level of skill, which doubles the workforce straight away. Um, but I see it going automated. I mean, the really big opportunity here is for sheep to be injected. Three weeks later, they come in and a machine takes the wool off them and, and presents it to a classing system that will be vastly different to what we have now. And the issue of, of residue is something that uh, has come up today here and, and also whether it has any impact on reproductive traits. Yeah, so we've got to answer all those questions and that's what APVMA approval is all about. Um, so far, we've had no negative effects on animal health. Zero. And we don't expect there to be. Because the disruption we're causing, we know exactly where it happens, and it only happens in the follicle. That means there's highly unlikely to be negative effects on the animal and, and on pregnancy. In fact, three of the sheep we treated were unknown to us pregnant when we treated them, late pregnancy. They went to term and they had healthy, viable lambs that were, were fine. So, so far it's good, but we've got to test early pregnancy, you know, and, and you know, we, we've got a lot more of that sort of work to do. So what's, what's the magic? What is, what is the, the game-changing natural component without giving it away for, uh, you know, commercial reasons? It is, it is something uh, that many of us already consume. Yeah, so the game-changer was understanding the biochemistry that happens in a follicle that makes fibres hard. And that took me a long time to work out. So Sarah and I, Sarah Weaver and I, my research assistant, spent many hours working through papers, scientific papers, biochemistry, and we worked it out. And, we, and we've now proven, in fact, as of a few weeks ago, we've proven that we're right. So that, that was the big change. Then we had to find, so that we found the target, then we had to find the bullets, and we found a bullet which I think is, is going to work. Um, and we'll let you know in six months' time. But you, you, you said today that some, some of the components to what is the bullet is, is something that, that many sheep and, uh, and yeah. even humans eat. Yeah, so residues. So we have to measure residues, and so far all the studies we've done have shown that the product is cleared very quickly from the system, which means if there's a withholding period, it's going to be very, very short. Um, in terms of residues, we haven't measured residues yet, but we have to do that for APVMA. Highly unlikely, because of the product it is, it's highly unlikely to even um, be found in meat even a day after treatment. 
it's a naturally occurring protein. Yeah. Can you can you give us a ballpark of what kind of a protein it is? So, um, it's a protein that exists in in nature. It's it's a, a, an unusual protein. It's not a normal protein. Uh, it has an unusual structure, which means that it disrupts this this pathway. Um, and we know why. Um, we don't we don't know why it's in plants because it doesn't discourage animals from eating it. The plant. Um, so it's it's unusual, but it's everywhere, um, <laughs> which is great because it's a natural thing, it, and we eat it every day, just not very much of it. So the other question many growers have is the impact on, say, merinos compared to crossbreds yeah. compared to uh, sheep that are primarily grown for meat. Yeah. Can you explain the difference and also the progress you've made in that area? Yeah, so we had originally thought this may not work in crossbreds because they have more, uh, they have coarser fibres in the fleece, they have a coarser average micron, they have more coarse fibres in the, in the distribution. We thought it might not work with them, um, but we've changed our minds now because the science we've just done shows that it does work in crossbreds. How far we can go towards a meat sheep with very coarse wool and no merino in it, we don't know. Um, so far, it hasn't worked in meat breeds, um, but we think we know why, and we think we can fix it. Um, with, with dose rate. And in regard to crossbreds, you've been really pleasantly yeah, surprised. Yeah, yeah, the crossbreds responded very well. And that was partly because we used a feeding approach this time and crossbreds are little gutsy buggers and they ate a lot, more than the merinos. So they responded as you would expect. But when this is available, whatever the time frame, uh, as you said, it would be like, you know, an injectable or, you know, sort of drenching, you'd be able to do uh, the appropriate dose for a 50 kilo or a 70 kilo, um, yep. just as, as people do to treat Absol other things. Absolutely what we do now with drenches and, and so on. So not a problem. You've also made a promise to the crowd today <laughs> about this. We'll, we'll end on, on, on this point, Phil. What, what did you promise? I promised that I'm going to get this thing to work before I die. I'm not dying till it works. And you're a young man? Very, very. I was when I started the project. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you for your work and, and all the work that you and your team do. We Thanks, appreciate Kevin. it. Thanks. Professor Phil Hine from the University of Adelaide, who's leading this vital work into biological harvesting. So as mentioned earlier, another field day will be held in Western Australia together with DPIRD towards the end of October, showcasing not only biological harvesting, but all things related to shearing, shed design, etc. Keep your eye across AWI's social channels and AWI Woolgrow Networks for more information about that particular day. But if you're keen to hear more, this was also a topic discussed in episode 244 of The Yarn. But for now, from me, Mario's coming. Thanks for having a yarn with us.